you're all keeping well and are coping with lockdown okay hopefully we're going to start seeing a little bit of normality creeping back in in the next few weeks but in the meantime the ncbi labs is here to talk you through some of the technologies that can make a real difference in your life whether that's smart devices or software for your computer or other technology that opens up possibilities for you in your life as well now during the tech the uh, lockdown. Technology has really come to the fore for many people in ways that maybe weren't so appealing before. In place of being able to meet together in person, people have been using technology to meet family and friends over video and have even been conducting work meetings and attending activity groups using videos. Well, this week, we're going to have a look at a number of options for doing that. Some pretty well established ones and some that have maybe become a little bit more popular very recently. And we're going to break it up a little bit. First, we're going to look at services that are particularly good for maybe for small numbers of people, for catching up with family and friends, for example. So we're going to talk about WhatsApp and FaceTime and Google Duo. Maybe you've already been using some of those. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk about the apps that work well with bigger numbers of people. You probably heard a lot about Zoom, but also Microsoft Teams and Google Meet. What are the strengths of those? And as part of that, we're going to play a short video prepared by NCBI Labs on JP Corcoran to show how to join a Zoom meeting. And to round up for today, we're going to be listening to another interview in our series, Seeing It Your Way. We've had a chance to enjoy a few of these interviews in recent weeks. Well, this time, JP will be chatting to NCBI service user Michael Griffith. So who have we got with us this week? Well, we have our regular panel back with us. We have Daniel Dunn and JP Corcoran, Sean Doran, and again, we've got Joe Lonergan with us this week. We also have our Chief Technology Officer, Kyron O'Mahony with us as well this week, all joining myself, Jude Marr, as we go through another live event. Just a reminder that if you have any comments or questions, please do send them in and we'll do our best to include them in the show. If, if we don't get a chance to answer them in the show directly, we'll make sure that somebody gets back to you with an answer afterwards as well. So if you want to get in touch, please use the email labs at ncbi.ie or else you can use the question panel just to the right of your screen as well. So you can use either of those methods to get in touch with us. So now we're going to invite our panel actually into the discussion here because we're going to start off by talking about video calling apps. Now, there are a few out there and we, we're just including a few of them here um, particularly that we'll make particular mention of, but uh, there might be other ones as well that you, that you particularly like to, to use. Maybe we can invite the, uh, the panel just to unmute yourselves and uh, we'll have a bit of a, a chat about this. So we're inviting back uh, the, the labs crew. We've got Sean and JP, Daniel and Joe and Kyron with us all to discuss these. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. Good to have you with us. Appreciate it. Um, so just to maybe start off with, 
maybe could could we just get a bit of an idea of what we're talking about? Now, most people may have an idea already about what these video apps are, but just to get us all on a level playing field here, maybe somebody could just tell us what, what are we talking about with um, WhatsApp and Google Duo and FaceTime? What, what are they for? Well, basically, um, they're, they're apps primarily designed for the smartphone uh, market. And they work, most of them will work perfectly on iOS or Android. And in addition, some of them also have um, desktop PC versions. So that means you can run them on your laptop as well. And one or two of them also have a, a web browser based interface as well. So they're quite um, flexible in where they work. And basically their primary function is instant messaging, um, you know, sending video clips or doing video calls are sending photographs. And they're, I suppose, the, the four main features of these apps. Uh, some of them also include the functionality, you know, maybe to send a Microsoft Word document or a PDF file or something that, that might be of interest between people sharing content. So uh, while they are a communications um, app, they're, they're also uh, useful for sharing documents as well. Very good. So are these um, apps, are, are these basically and that everybody, everybody can use these. Yeah, my microphone is um, not working as well today for some reason, but um, yeah, accessibility-wise, um, all them ones Daniel has named <coughs> off there are very accessible, like WhatsApp, FaceTime, um, Google Duo. They're all very accessible as they, you can use um, WhatsApp, FaceTime, and Google Duo on your smartphone. So yeah. voiceover or talkback will work really well with those ones. And you can also use Google Duo on your smart speaker. So they are, I suppose, there's no accessibility um, problems with those apps. So I suppose the most commonly used one is WhatsApp and FaceTime, as regards mm -hmm. them one goes. And is there any um, is there any cost associated with them, Joe? Well, fa FaceTime is free. That's just and WhatsApp. They are free. So that is a, especially if you have, if two people have an iPhone and uh, you know you you call somebody on FaceTime. That's the great thing about it; it is free. Mm. Uh, so use your Wi-Fi in your house or your data. So that's the only cost. And same with WhatsApp; you can send hundreds of messages to each other. Uh, I'm part of, we say, Irish Blind Golf or Irish Blind Sports. We have WhatsApp groups and to, to schedule meet, meetings or find out when the next training session is on, or to give each other tips. It's great for. Sending group messages in that kind of way. Mm. It is one thing I like about it, um, Joe. Uh, I, you know, if you're a Siri user or a Google Assistant user, you can be really cheeky. I like the WhatsApp, and instead of going in to try and type up your message, you can be cheeky and just summon Siri to say, you know, send Joe a message, and it'll come back and ask you what you want to say. It types it for you, and then you just say, hey, send that on to him. Exactly. Um, totally integrated in the ecosystem. It works great that way, yeah. Yeah. Is brilliant. Very good. So if if you're using it for for those sort of things, that that's great that there's um, accessibility. But is it equally accessible when you're talking about the video calling feature? It is. Uh, yeah, I think it is definitely. It works really well with the video, also, especially FaceTime. Mm. Um, Google Duo, you can make if you have a smart display. Um, you can make video calls on that. That's very accessible, also. If you have a Google Hub speaker, or if you want to use Google Duo on your phone, you can also get the video on the phone. So 
Mm-hmm. It, that's also very accessible. And WhatsApp group calls um, with video, I don't do them as often as that. I, I tend to veer towards FaceTime. It, you seem to, it works a little bit smoother, but it does, and, and you can only you can only call eight people at one time with WhatsApp, whereas you can call 32 people at one time with FaceTime, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a bit bigger groups. Yeah, very good. Yeah. It's, it's um, Google Duo. That's um, that's new to me. I've I've been using FaceTime and, and WhatsApp quite a bit, but on Google Duo, um, what I mean, what's it like for 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 low vision people as well? Do you like do you need a smart speaker to use that, or is it only available? Or, or sorry, is it available as well on your just a normal smartphone? Like, do you have to download a specific app for that? Yeah, you can download it comes on most Android devices. Exactly. Oh, Sean, take that one. Yeah, yeah. The, the Google Duo app comes on most. Um, Android devices. I think Google tried to use it to replace Hangouts because Hangouts wasn't that popular in terms of sort of mm. social media for friends chatting. Mm. So they replaced it with Google Duo, which is a much more simpler interface, especially low vision. Like you know, there's you know, there's your contacts, there's a create group and invite friends button, and you mm. know, there, there is a context menu on the top right hand corner also. It, it, it is a very good interface. Mm. And does it does it support like I know FaceTime supports uh, dynamic fonts, so it'll make the you know, even setting up the call, I find sometimes can be the most challenging piece. Once you're actually on the call, nearly it's it's simpler. But FaceTime for me, uh, as someone with low vision, is it's quite simple. What's what's Google Duo like in terms of like you know, does it support you know increased font size, you know, contrasting colors, all the, those kind of key accessibility features? I ha- I haven't checked if it, if it does the the dynamic fonts, but mm. it sh- should because it's a Google app. It should follow your um. Like I use dark mode on my phone, and the menus here on it are in dark mode on my phone now currently. Ah, uh, okay. So it's a native application, so it more than likely it will. My phone will check while while the mm-hmm. while the video is playing, just to, so we can let everyone know that's listening in. On a smart mm-hmm. display, on a smart display, you can, as far as I'm aware, you can change the fonts. Mm-hmm. And it's a bigger screen on a smart display. Also, it's a bigger screen than on a phone, so that's one other advantage. Yeah. And is Google Duo available then for the iPhone as well? Yes, there's an app for the iPhone also. Yeah. I'm going to go over to the dark side here and download Google Duo. <laughs> <laughs> so are all three of these, um, the ones that we're talking about here, are they all ones that are available across platforms? Yeah. Apart from FaceTime. Okay, so tell us about FaceTime. Yeah, so I mean, looking at the apps we're focused on here, like WhatsApp, Google Duo, FaceTime. You know, if you look at even like, the number of people you can actually have in in a video call, like as Joe was saying, it's WhatsApp. They went up from four to eight people recently. Mm-hmm. Google Duo now support up to twelve people, and FaceTime actually up to thirty-two people, which is great. But the only problem is that you're restricted to using an iOS device. So if it's on an iPhone or it's not an iPad, you you can't call the person. So it's just it's strictly um, iOS devices for FaceTime. So that's a fairly kind of significant thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to trap people into their ecosystem, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, open up old wounds, why don't you? Yeah, (laughs) very good. Um, So. What, what would you say are kind of the most significant differences between it? Is it just pretty much a case of personal preference? Somebody will get used to one of these and that'd be fine. It'll do all the all that they need to do. Are those numbers of how many can join the video calls, are they really significant in everyday life? Are they, you know, is this going to be just a matter of somebody chooses one because they just like the, the, the look of it, the, the way that it works? Um, 
I suppose well, what you'd find is, uh, you know, <laughs> WhatsApp kind of stole a march there on it. Um, they're out early, uh, as opposed to the other, you know, the other platforms. Um, and it's what, what other people are using, you know, in, in your social circles, I suppose, whether it's your group of friends, your family members. And you might find that you end up having two apps, maybe because, you know, the boys from the golf club are all on WhatsApp and the family are all on maybe even Viber or something different as well, you know. So it's, yeah, yeah. it depends on your social circles. Yeah, that's a good point yeah. to, to make. Also, WhatsApp is very good for sharing files. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like PDF files and um, sound sound files as well. It's really good. Yeah. Three or four minute sound files. That's got quite a, that's a really good extra feature then. And also yeah, really good for sharing short videos. It's, yeah, I know um, it, it's a social thing. People share little short funny videos, but you can also send even business files and short files like that, you know? I, I worked in a I worked in a previous company and the, the chairman of the board uh, if you ever wanted him to read a document, you had to WhatsApp it to him PDF. You would never read his email. He just used WhatsApp exclusively. So there is people out there. Do you know what's interesting? I was just having a quick review of, of Google Duo there. And, and as you're all talking, so on Google Duo, I definitely find the low vision side of it a little. I would struggle a little bit on it, um, just as an FY for people out there. But I tend to agree with the panel. You kind of have to install nearly all of the apps because there's people from so different you know, different groups will have a kind of allegiance to one um, one particular feature. The one thing that, I, you know, from talking to everyone here, the one universal one really seems to be WhatsApp in terms of functionality and um, working across, you know, uh, all devices. Yeah. 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 So another little feature on the WhatsApp that I, ex, uh, you know, find it extremely handy um, is, is, I suppose, it's like the walkie-talkie function where you push the the, the microphone button on there and you keep it held down while you say what your message is, you let it go and it shoots off to the other person. Um, the, you know, the voice message itself shoots the voice message in itself yeah. and it's brilliant for a short little, you know, like, oh, come come down and collect me. I'm down here at, at the hurling field. I need a lift home and just let that off instead of having to type it all up. Yeah, very good. That's actually a really useful thing as well. If you're if you're on the move a little bit, if you're kind of walking around the place, you're needing to keep your eyes up. You don't want to be looking down at the screen as you're recording something. Yeah, that's a, a handy one. And can somebody just, I suppose, just to kind of finish off on this part of it, because we're talking about video calling apps as well. Obviously, those extra elements are are important to somebody when they're thinking about the um, various features of them. But if somebody's completely new to this. How hard is it to place a video call, for example, if they haven't been able to have a proper conversation with family or friends for a little while um, and they want to actually instigate something? Is it is it easy enough to place a video call? What's the difference between that and a, an audio call, for example? I, will I answer that, Jude? Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I find WhatsApp, Google Duo and FaceTime are really easy to place a video call. Like, so if you have somebody's contact, you get the two choices come up at the very beginning, audio or video. And you just, mm-hmm. uh, in my case, when I use voiceover, I'll double tap on it. And in anybody else's case, they'll just tap on it and just tap on video. And it'll, and if they have the availability on their side, it will make a, vi- a video call to them. Right. You know, so, so it's as simple as that. It's as simple as an ordinary audio call. Yeah. And if you are using Google Duo and you, um, some, and you have a smart display, and the other person has an iPhone, 
you can set your smart display, make a video call to Patrick, you know, and, and they, they can accept video or audio, whatever they decide on their end. Brilliant. So if, if somebody hasn't tried this already, it's it's such a simple thing just to go ahead and try and, and check it out. And and obviously, if there are little technical issues, NCBI labs are here to support you through that as well. But it's certainly not something that's a daunting feature to, to try out. So that's uh, something that'd be really good to, oh, to try. Also, as, as Daniel mentioned earlier, you can say to Siri, make a WhatsApp video call to John or to Patrick or whoever you're calling. So you can ask Siri to do it for you even if you feel like, or, or hey Google, I suppose, if you have Android, so. Yeah, brilliant, very good. Okay, so that's the, the video calling end of things. Now we're going to move on a little bit because we're going to talk a bit more about some of the bigger video conferencing um, software uh, in a moment. And we'll have a bit more of a chance to catch up with our panel as well in a moment. Uh, one of the most recognizable names out there at the moment for this kind of software is Zoom. And we're going to start off with a video piece that JP has prepared for us. So if you've received an invitation to attend a Zoom meeting, it's important to know how to actually join up with that meeting and how you can participate in the meeting once you're there. So JP is going to take us through that. Let's watch this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this NCBI Labs demonstration. So with the surge in popularity of many video conferencing apps in recent weeks, we thought it'd be worthwhile putting together a quick video demo on how to join what has become one of the more popular conferencing apps available at the moment, which is Zoom. So what exactly is Zoom? Well, Zoom, also known as Zoom Meetings, is a cloud-based video conferencing service that you can use to be with others online, which can be by video, audio only, or both. And all this can be done while conducting live chats too. So as with many other video conferencing apps, Users have the option to share screens and sessions can be recorded for later viewing. It's also worth noting that with a basic plan with Zoom, which is free, you can host up to 100 participants in a meeting. However, this has a 40 minute time limit for meetings with three or more participants. So in this video, we're going to cover how to join a Zoom meeting from an iPad using VoiceOver with the Zoom app already installed. If you don't already have it, the Zoom desktop app is available for Windows and Mac OS, while the mobile app is available for Android and iOS on the Apple and Google Play Store. Okay, so let's just say we receive an invitation to join a Zoom meeting. What do we need to do next? So it's important to point out here that in order to join a Zoom meeting, a host will first need to create the meeting and share with you the meeting link by email, text, or if you both have shared Zoom contact details in the Zoom app itself. In this case, I have received a Zoom meeting invite by email. So I first need to open my Gmail and look for it. Mail. Mail. Selected. In this case, I have an email in my inbox with the Zoom, uh, containing the Zoom meeting link. So I'm going to swipe right until I get to that message. Promote. Selected. Fitbit. On Riyadh. John Paul. Selected. John Paul Cochran. Now, now I go over to the body of the email and swipe right to hear meeting details. John Paul Cochran's Zoom meeting, the 19th of May, 6.38.30. Button. When? The 19th of May. Address. HTTPS. At the address, we have the meeting link. If I swipe right, I can choose whether... Oh, am I going to say yes, maybe, or no to attending this Zoom meeting? Yes. 
button, maybe, button, no, button. Okay, so if I were to select, selected yes, it would add a reminder in my calendar to say that I'll be attending the meeting. I'm going to swipe right again until I get down to the meeting link. Select to me, more it reply, more text, join Zoom meeting, HTTPS, slash, slash, just. Now, this is our meeting link. It's what we use to connect to the meeting. If I swipe right again, I'll hear the meeting ID. Meeting ID. Eight, six, two, the password. Set password to BKA71. I want to swipe left to go back to the Zoom meeting link. Meeting HTTPS slash slash And from here, I double tap. Waiting. Please wait. The meeting host will let you in soon. Okay, so at this point, I see that the meeting host needs to give me access to this meeting. So I've actually set this meeting up for myself. So it's actually I'm having a meeting with the host, who is myself. It was a little bit strange. But anyway, so I'm going to go over to my laptop now and admit uh, my user here, here to the Zoom meeting. Waiting. Alert. To hear others, please. Okay, so I've just been given access to the Zoom meeting. I need to swipe right. Call using internet audio button. I double tap on this button in order to hear others join uh, in, in the meeting, hear, hear their audio. Double tap. You are using displaying John Paul Corcoran's video. Okay. Now, what I can do is I'm, I'm connected to the meeting. And the next thing I need to do is to go around the different options to, for example, enable my microphone or start my video. So what I'm going to do, top top left hand side of the screen, I'm going to use Explore by Touch to go to the Leave button. Dis displaying job Leave button. Okay. Now if I swipe right from here, your connection Zoom button. Zoom button. If I double tap on this, it'll give me information about the meeting itself. Double tap. John Paul Cochran's Zoom meeting. Your connection is encrypted. Meeting ID eight six two. Seven, seven. Okay, I'll stop it there. If I swipe right, it'll tell me the host name. Host, John Paul Cochran. It'll tell me the password. Password to BKA71. Invite HTTPS. I swipe left to close this. John Paul Cochran, John Paul Cochran's leave. Now let's see what other options we have. Your connect Zoom, mute my audio. I can mute my audio by double tapping. So swiping right, go to mute, I can double tap. Audio now muted. Double tap again. Audio now unmuted. Okay. Swipe right again to start video. If I want to start my video. Start my video. Button. I'll just do this briefly. Double tap to start my video. Video now started. Video now stopped. Okay. Video started. Video stopped. Swipe right again. Share content. Share button. content. So what I can do is I can share content that's on my screen. If I want with other people. Uh, now, because I'm not the host, if I double tap on this. Alert. Only the host can share in this meeting. I'm told that only the host can share this meeting. So that's something that the host will have set up when they schedule the meeting. I can swipe right to OK. OK. Now, back to the other options on the top share of the Zoom meeting screen. Participants. I can go to participants. I can swipe right. John Paul Corcoran. Device audio unmuted. Video stop. 
John Paul Corcoran, device up. I can view participants who are in this meeting. If I swipe right again. Invite button. I can go to invite, double tap. In send email. Now I have button. the option here to send an email to people who are in my address book and to invite them to this meeting while the meeting is taking place. So I'm going to cancel this. Invite, dismiss, cancel button. A very useful Participant, option. Participant, dismiss pop-up. And the last option I'd like to show button. you, as feature here is double tap on the more button located at the top right-hand side, right top right-hand corner, I beg your pardon, of the snap. From here, button. I can swipe right, I can add a clap button. Uh, thumbs up. Thumbs button. up button. Uh, to uh, the to the uh, chat room if I want. I can swipe right again. Chat button. Okay, just to go back, these two, clap. the clap, thumbs up, thumbs up are just little pictures, uh, little emojis, so I can, that these are these I can do, I can add them to the chat if I want. Chat button. Okay, I can chat to other participants who are in the meeting, but double tapping on this. Meeting settings button. Review my meeting settings, since I'm swiping right. Minimize meeting Minimize button. meeting. Raise hand. Raise hand. So this this is a very useful feature. So if, for example, you want to raise your hand when there's a large group, of, large group of people who are in this meeting, you can let the organizer or other participants know that you have an input that you'd like to acknowledge without interrupting the conversation. So if I double tap and raise hand. Hand now raised. So my hand is now raised. So other people will see in the meeting that I raise my hand and I'd like to add my input. So I can double tap on the more button again. Swipe right. Thumb, chat, meet, meet, lower hand. Lower hand. Button. Hand now lowered. Okay, so or now my hand is, is, is lowered. Uh, very useful feature when you're in a Zoom meeting if you want to raise your hand. Let people know that you're looking to say something. Okay, I'm going to press the home button here to go back to the home screen. Mail. Okay. So guys, that's just a very quick overview of how to join a Zoom meeting from an iPad using VoiceOver, along with how to use some of the, very, the various features within the meeting. Uh, before I finish, I'd just like to note that if you need support downloading or using Zoom meetings on your tablet, phone, or computer, you can contact the NCBI Labs team on 1850 923060 or email labs at ncbi.ie. Thank you very much. So thanks very much, JP, for going through the uh, the steps to join a Zoom meeting. So if you've been invited to a, a Zoom meeting before, hopefully you have uh, a bit of an idea how you can join with the Zoom meetings and also how you can participate as well. There's one or two of the points that was in that video that actually we might kind of reference uh, a little bit afterwards as well, because some of the things that were mentioned there actually have a tie-in to some of the concerns around security. Um, we'll, we'll maybe mention that a little bit Later, some of the settings that you will have heard there are actually settings that are recent updates to, to make sure that the security uh, is, uh, is stepped up a little bit. But what we're going to do is, first of all, we'll just get a little bit of an overview of how um, each of these different uh, pieces of software kind of differ from each other. Um, we, we spoke already about some of the capacities there. Google Meet certainly has a huge capacity for being able to broadcast out to people. We didn't really mention Microsoft Teams earlier. Um, would somebody be able to just give us a bit of an idea of how broad is the, the reach for Microsoft Teams if you want to involve people in that? Uh, Microsoft Teams now have recently 
lifted restrictions for the free users. So it used to be that you could have 20 people in a chat with in, in a meeting in Teams for free users. And they've recently put that up to the same as the paid users, which can go up to about uh, 250. Brilliant. Very good. And all, in the case of something... Up, sorry? Go on. Yeah. They've also up the live events to 10,000. Very good. Okay, excellent. So, so I think... I was just going to say, Jude, if you don't mind, one of, one of the things around uh, Microsoft Teams, people always often ask us here at NCBI why we use Microsoft Teams. And I think it, if you don't mind, I might just give some insight into why we've chosen it here in, in NCBI. Well, you know, one of the, there's many video conferencing platforms out there that you're all talking about today, like Zoom is extremely popular, as everyone said. Google Meet is another one. Um, I've used probably hundreds of them um, over my career. And, you know, when we in the NCBI looked at what would be a platform that we could use to unify our file management or internal communications, Microsoft Teams made a really uh, attractive offering. So internally in NCBI, we use, all, we use Microsoft Teams for chat. We use it for internal calls. We use it for all of our internal meet meetings and video conferencing. Um, and we've had great success with that as well. We even link it into all of our files, so how we share files within the organization as well. And I think when we when we looked at how we could run uh, these live events, we wanted to make sure that we, you know, we were we were using a, a system that you know had the performance and had the the security as well. And I think with an organization that's the size of NCVI. Um, it's very important that we roll out something that we can offer as a very secure offering to um, to external people as well. You know, any anytime in a computing sense or in a technology security sense, when you when you grant people access externally, whether it's a live event or whether it's just a, a conference call or a support group, Microsoft Teams checked all the boxes for us. It's also an incredibly accessible piece of software. Actually, one of the things that I'd like to say, if if anyone is 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 um, struggling with some of the accessibility side of it, I think it's it's downfall of Microsoft Teams is because it does so much, it can take a while to learn it. But what we've found here uh, in in the NCBI is that there's a huge uh, volume of information available uh, from Microsoft, particularly around screen readers and uh, how it integrates with them and how they focused on making Microsoft Teams as accessible as possible. So if you're using it in, in your work life and you, you have any issues with it, or indeed anyone who's on, on this who needs any additional support around Microsoft Teams and, and the accessibility support, please do email us because we have, we've got a huge amount of reference material that can help you get up to speed on uh, on Microsoft Teams as well. So I just thought it was important just to note there, Jude, as, as it's something that we, we use so heavily within in NCBI and give people uh, uh, some context of why we use Microsoft Teams. Absolutely, yeah. And, and as people are hearing us maybe talking about Zoom, for example, and hearing many people talking about Zoom because it is kind of in the news quite a bit, mm. there might be a little bit of a kind of... Uh, wondering we of why we're, yeah, and are we using Teams for even these live events and things like that? So it's good to kind of clarify that. It comes across in your answer, Karen, there, that there's kind of a couple of elements to it, that there's, there is an element of security and having confidence in that right at the start, but it's not just that, it's like functionality as well for, yeah. for the use that we're making of it. I think for us here in the NCBI, it really was a balance between 
you know, having something that's really functional and does a really good job for, for you know, live events and internal communications and, and something that's also secure for uh, the service users that we interact with mm-hmm. and also for, you know, the broader community. Um, and that's what we looked at all of the options. And that's where we found that, you know, Microsoft Teams was, was you know, secure. It's not perfect by any means, but it offers the best around security for, for people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... I think it's worth talking about the elephant in the room, which is, you know, is Zoom secure or not? And that's that's mm. one of the things that comes up uh, <clears throat> constantly in these conversations. And I know because there's a lot of other organizations in, in the site loss community that do use Zoom and they use Google Meet and they use other ones um, as well, like BlueJeans is another very popular one as well. Um, but the reality is, you know, they aren't as secure. They, you know, Zoom in particular have made has made a huge amount of strides in, in getting their security fixed. I thought it was very interesting when all the, the news kind of came to the surface around Zoom. Um, people were very much saying, you know, they, they put their hands up and said, listen, we, we know it's not perfect around security, but we're going to work really hard to make it secure. And they've spent a huge amount of time doing that. So I can only commend them for that. And I think they've made a huge amount of, of progress on the security on, on Zoom as well. Um, but for us, I mean, I'd rather have I'd rather, you know, there's there's a term in in information technology, you know, you fail safe or you fail secure. I'd rather fail secure because that means that if there is an issue, security is built in by default as opposed to us needing to figure out security. And that's why I'd say with Zoom, just it's it's fine to use. People often say to me, you know, can I use Zoom as secure? Yeah, of course you can use Zoom. Use Zoom in your home life. Use Zoom in your in your personal life. It is it is secure, but you know. Set it up with with passwords. If you're the person setting up the meeting, make sure you know you 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 have the waiting room turned on. But read the documentation as well, you know, uh, around it, so to make sure that you're using the best way. And if you ever struggle, of course, call us here at NCBI. We'll, we'll show you how to set up the meeting to be safe and secure. But I think across all of the platforms, whether it's Zoom, whether it's Microsoft Teams, whether it's Google Meet, or or whatever the case may be, it, you know, it's important to think about, you know, online security and, and make sure you're safe in that. So I'm not trying to scare anyone, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're here as an organization to assist you on that and recommend what we think is the best and the most secure. Absolutely. And I think, to be fair, it, it is completely justified that we talk about security because, yeah. I mean, even the idea of Zoom itself, th- th- there's been a term that's been coined for the security issue that they've had and that's been in the news mostly, which is Zoom bombing. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that immediately brings to our mind that there has to be a security issue. Just again, just so that we're, we're kind of making sure that everybody who's listening is understanding what that is. Can somebody just explain what Zoom bombing is? Yeah, well, Zoom bombing is when you generate a Zoom meeting, it gives you a nine-digit number in your URL. Mm. It's around a nine, nine, nine to twelve digit numbers. What people are doing was they're randomly generating numbers, putting into a URL, sticking it into their browser, and you know you, you have a one in a thousand chance of landing in someone's meeting if you happen mm. to pick just the correct nine digits. Mm. So they're landing in people's meetings, shouting over the meetings, and sharing things they shouldn't have been sharing within the meeting. But mm. it, was, it was it was that simple. Like anyone could just copy the first part of a Zoom URL and then start typing in, you know, nine to 10 random numbers and seeing it to land into a meeting. I think that's actually quite an important point to make is just even about that sharing feature, because you might have heard as JP was going through the um, Zoom feature there that 
sharing was turned off. It was only the host that was able to share. And that kind of ties in a little bit to what Kyron was pointing out earlier, that some of the features, um, there are some security features there that the host would have to be very wary of turning on. Now, Zoom has kind of updated these quite a bit, in that a lot of them are by default now. Yeah, um, they have. But there's still that consideration, isn't there? They've put in um, a security icon now for the organisers, which um, which allows users, you know, the organisers to remove participants and lock meetings. Um, you know, so when when the when meeting starts, you can put the lock on the door, and nobody else can get in. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you know, also from the organisers uh, of meetings, there's a report users function now that they've built into Zoom, and um, the, the passwords and the waiting room are on by default. So it's, you know, you're not getting into a meeting now without pop it in the password, whereas organizers maybe overlook the fact from the security point of view, hey, I'm going to set up a meeting, um, password, sure, who wants a password? I'm only sharing it with my friends. Actually, mm-hmm. somebody puts it on Facebook about this meeting mm-hmm. and it goes around the world and that's how they're getting Zoom bombed. Also, yes. from the user's point of view, um, now as they join a meeting, they're going to be required to enter the password, so if they don't have the password, they're not getting in. And the ability to disable joining from multiple devices has been addressed as well. So if somebody, you know, somebody was on a meeting on their laptop and they left their phone, you know, outside, uh, some, you know, the kid could pick up the phone and join the meeting. Their daddy was yes. on, <laughs> make a right message. Yes. <laughs> so that has been, uh, that has been. Could be disaster. Yeah, yeah that has been um, addressed as well. And also Zoom as a company have bought out um, Keybase end-to-end, secu- uh, end-to-end uh, security who are going to introduce this end-to-end encryption. And you might remember back in April 2016 that WhatsApp implemented this end-to-end encryption, which means that the data is secured the whole way from one user to the user uh, to this next user. So there's no um, there's no openness anywhere where it goes through the network. So from a security point yeah. of view, that's good. Mm. How about what? I'm just, I'm just curious. Is there any? Because I mean, is there any typical questions that we get asked? Um, uh, you know, as trainers on Zoom, is there anything that we could offer in terms of advice to 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 our service users around you know usage? So I know JP's video was excellent, but is there any? Is there any other you know typical questions that people get asked on Zoom from from a, someone with low vision or no vision? Um, can I answer that, Brian? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so. There's a list of keystrokes for Zoom. So you don't have to go near your mouse if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. You have a lot of day you mute your uh, mute and unmute your microphone or them kind of things. And we can provide a list of keystrokes if anybody wants to email labs at ncbi.ie. And also in the in this week's newsletter, we will be providing a link to some keystrokes. So and um, also there's keystrokes for teams. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to access the keystrokes for Teams really quickly. So as you said earlier, Teams is a collaboration tool used for um, personal use and business. But a quick way of accessing your keystrokes is control and full stop, control and period. And it gives you the list of the keystrokes that come up on your screen and you can go through them with your headings by pressing H. So you can go down through, if you want keystrokes for meetings or chats or um, your Teams part of, of Microsoft Teams, it'll give you a list of the keystrokes up on your screen. And you can read down through them with JAWS or Zoom text, whatever you in um, assistive technology you are using at the time. So, and Google Meet, I don't have much experience with Google Meet, but if you want to get the list of keystrokes for that, it's Control Shift F and it will become popular. Mm-hmm. 
It's not, it's not the most popular at the moment. See, I think what a, one of the things that I've noticed and the questions that we see uh, coming into the, the lab's email address is that people, you know, are, are using these more to war. There's kind of two aspects as, as you've broken this up into, you know, stuff that you use for socializing with your friends, you know, and then there's pieces that you use for, for work. Zoom, Teams and Google Meet are, are, are very much on the on the on the work side of things. So, you know, you kind of you feel like you're under that little bit more pressure to to get up and running. But again, as Joe said, we, we have all, we prepared all of those keystrokes and we were able to circulate them to anyone or if you if you want to. You know, if you've got a, a work meeting that's coming up that's important and you want to practice, we're, we'll happily set up, you know, uh, a Zoom meeting or a team meeting for you to allow you to practice with one of our training trainers, excuse me, which I think could be really useful to someone that, you know, maybe just hasn't got the confidence um, uh, in, in a, wor a work setting as well. But I was thinking, Joe, what do you think if we included the links to um, the downloads of those shortcuts in the YouTube video alongside this. That might be a really useful resource for people and give them a uh, somewhere that they can get the the links to Zoom and um, and uh, yeah, be really useful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anywhere they can find these easily it yeah. would be useful. And also, don't forget um, if you go into Zoom, there's an accessibility bar, and you can. Because you listed the Windows keystroke, so you don't have to have any accessibility software on your computer. You could use Narrator even, and you can get a list of the Windows keystrokes also. Mm. Mm. Most of the ones I was talking about with Teams are Windows keystrokes. They're not just mm. JAWS or NVDA or anything. They're they generally can be used with any assistive technology. So yeah, leave, um, putting the links together in the YouTube video would be very useful. And is there any uh, like JAWS scripts or anything like that, that that you use for either Teams or or, or Zoom, Joe? I I don't um, find I need JAWS scripts. Uh, I find uh, between the Windows and the JAWS keystrokes, it, it works for me. And ninety nine percent of the time, I suppose mm -hmm. it's always that one percent where you're a little yeah. bit lost. But in general, it works for me really well. Both of those programs. And as I said, I don't have very much experience with Google Meet, but I I do know from reading about it, it is fairly accessible. And I, mm. I do expect I w we will be using it in the future as it was a paid service and has now been made a free service. It was a premium service. So mm. because of coronavirus and um, COVID-19, they have made it free. So they're trying to, and they're trying to step up in competition with Zoom also. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So just, um, it's just interesting hearing those, those comments about it as well, because it's, I think a lot of people will have concerns about one or more of these pieces of software for different reasons. Maybe some have heard some security issues about one and they're, they're kind of worried about that, but it's good to be able to kind of discuss where it's at at the moment. And also the same with accessibility. Somebody might have had a bit of an experience with, with one and maybe found it more difficult to, to um, access. But from what you're saying there, basically there's not really there's not really issues with any of these in, with regards to accessibility. It might have some some differences or there might be a little bit of a longer way around on some, but they're basically all accessible. Yeah, de definitely. Um, like like Kyron was alluding to earlier, like Teams has so, got so many features that you have to sort of become accustomed to navigation and to get used to where you are and how to get to different places. But as Joe was saying there, there's lists of shortcuts and and commands to access those areas. So it's just sort of becoming more familiar where you are in the actual page and how to move around it. But that's the same with every new application. 
Yeah, and then constantly, I suppose, they're being upgraded as well as they compete with each other. Um, like Zoom has announced also there recently that they're putting in the virtual backgrounds, which are which are currently available in Microsoft Teams. So as these guys up their game and compete with each with each other and pad out their apps, there's going to be lots more new options to get used to in there. You know, so um, it is going to evolve. <laughs> So it likes a Teams offering, like even within a meeting, that there's a chat area, there's a, there's areas for sharing files, like in, even in the free one, if you had set up a team of people yes. rather than a meeting, like you could have 10 gigabytes of free storage to share files. So not only are you chatting and meeting people live, you can also have a chat feature within that and a place to actually share actual files that, between each other, which is very useful between groups because if you if you do have a Zoom group, then you have to go and send an email to someone with a file, yeah, yeah. or um, you know, just the same with a FaceTime and out there. So it's 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 doing many things, but it is a bigger yeah. program, and therefore you have to learn a wee bit more about that. So it is kind of coming across that it's very much a case of you've got to work out what your own purpose for using one of these things is, um, like. Teams is providing like a common workspace almost for a, for a number of things, isn't it? It's not just uh, it's not just video conferencing as you mentioned. There's so many other things to it. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you need, then Teams is what you <laughs> Teams is what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and you, if you're just doing maybe a simple um, video meeting, maybe maybe you find something else is easier to to download. Well, that's kind of fine as well. It's working out what you need. For example, I know one of the things um, Zoom does, and I don't know if we have an answer to this, do, do any of the other ones provide things like breakout rooms, for example? I know um, Zoom, you can have maybe a meeting might have 100 people, but you can put them all into breakout rooms if there's individual discussions to be had. So that might be, that might again be a factor that comes into it when when somebody is evaluating what they need. It's kind of uh, useful to know the features of, of each of them. Any kind of final comments just in terms of we probably won't get a, a definitive thing here as to which one of these we would say is absolutely the best simply because it does depend on on use a little bit. But any any final comments just on preferences or things that you found particularly useful yourselves in your own use? Well, I, I seem like the, the innovations in teams in the last month has been massive in terms of number of people on screen, raise hand, all that's been added. But they're also working on noise suppression technology through AI that when you're on a call, it's going to cut out typing noise and, you know, the, the dog that's always barking outside my window and things like that. Microsoft are really pushing to sort of make it as clean a call and uh, better quality as possible. Can I plunge yeah. a Peppa Pig in the background? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping that that my cat doesn't hear your dog, Sean, because then we'll have real issues. (laughs) Yeah, Jude, also, I think the fact that Zoom did have security issues going forward, it might be the kick in the backside they needed. You know, it might make them clean up their act and, I suppose, make it a better program in the future. As Daniel alluded to earlier on, an an encryption company has bought into it and uh, they are doing the end-to-end encryption. So that's really, that has to be a good thing also. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And they've got the momentum, don't they? Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot behind them. So we, we might just... Go ahead. One, one more thing before we go. Yeah, Thank you also alluded. 
it is a massive thing. It depends on what social or business um, um, circles you are involved in. You know, it really does. So it depends where you're involved in, what golf clubs, what business events or football or whoever you're involved in, whatever program they're using, you kind of have to go with that and make sure your own security is in, in order. So you yeah, I just... I, I might just elaborate that as well, Joe, because I think that's a really important point. I mean, it's I think in this case, I mean, we, we had over a number of weeks, we had our, our our lively debates about how Apple is so much better than Android. Um, but I mean, in this situation, really, it is about what's the right tool for the job, you know, um, you know, whether it's a personal conversation that you need to have. What you know, I find, you know, with my own mum, who's cocooning at the moment, uh, Trying to get her to use any video conferencing is 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 incredible. We we had this conversation recently where I was saying press the home button and she kept you know enabling Siri. So that lasted half an hour, and then I finally figured out how to get do a, a video call with her. You know, so yeah. it, it really is. It's a it's a it's a personal choice um, for for the likes of FaceTime or you know WhatsApp or or Google Google Donuts. It's called Sean. Um, so uh no <laughs> yeah. but in, in the case of you know in case of, of work you know a lot of times you know an it department is telling you what you know what system you need to yeah. use and they've made decisions that could be based on security it could be based on pricing it could be based on laziness of of you know the it department so you know in all cases i just say as well just reach out to us here in ncbi labs and we're happy to help across them all because we test all of this stuff to make sure it's accessible or not accessible you know so yeah. if there's any help that anyone needs just please read out, reach out to us at labs at ncbi.ie yeah absolutely and it's it's important just to say as well that this is a changing conversation with time because if we'd had this conversation a month ago there would have been features of maybe Zoom that, that teams wouldn't have had, so somebody might have been drawn towards that. But then there would have also been security issues that, that Zoom were still facing that they weren't, that hadn't been fixed at that point and maybe have been made progress on. So wherever this conversation is at the moment, there's going to be changes to, to it in the coming weeks as well. So by all means, if, if you're involved or you need to use any of these uh, video conferencing softwares, as Karen mentioned, do get in touch with us at labs at ncbi.ie. We might just get a, an opportunity maybe to finish off the conversation if there's any final points or any questions uh, that are coming in um, just after our final segment on our live event. So thanks very much um, to everybody for your contributions there, talking about our video conferencing software. But now we're going to move to seeing it your way. You've, I'm sure you've been enjoying this series of interviews over the last few weeks. And this this week, we're going to hear from Michael Griffith, who's been talking to JP. And as, as we're lining up, up that, um, maybe we can just mention as well that your experiences and how you use technology is a major driver of how we present this show. So if you have any tips that you've found useful, please do send them through. If you'd like to be involved with uh, any of these interviews, please do let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So let's hear from Michael Griffith, seeing it your way. Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined today by Michael Griffith. Michael is a service user of NCBI who's living in Shank Hill in Dublin. And Michael, you're very welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you. So Michael, before we get talking about the important role that I know technology has played and indeed continues to play in your life, but what we could do is just take a step back for a moment and perhaps uh, you could just tell us a little bit about your own background, 
and share with us uh, your own story, if you don't mind. Okay, um, as I was saying to you earlier, uh, I'm 75, so I have a lot of background, so I'll race through it as quickly as I can. Um, I was born in Dublin, and um, uh, my father was in the Munster Leinster Bank, which most people will not remember at this stage. It's now part of AIB, and uh, he was in Crumlin, so uh, we lived in Kimmage Road West, which was near to Crumlin, until I was about six or seven, and then we moved to Monkstown where I grew up during my formative years from about seven to 14. And uh, I had a lovely time there. I loved that uh, part of my life. Um, played rugby in school, CBC Monkstown. I swam in black rock baths. I was an altar boy in the local uh, church. And uh, and so things were really good. I had good friends there, you know, and fond memories. So then I went to secondary school in Limerick. Um, and that's a long story as to why I went down there, and I won't go into it. But anyway, I came back to to Dublin then. Um, at, uh, I was when I was finished. I was seventeen or eighteen, and um, at that time, uh, my father had moved to Bray because he opened the Monster Bank in Bray, which is now AIB in Bray. Uh, and, um, uh, and 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 eventually I joined the bank myself and I started off actually working with my father in Bray um, in 1968, 64, sorry, in 1968. And I was transferred into Dame Street in Dublin and uh, I worked there until 1970 when, I, when, the, when the AIB came together and they set up a regional office in Lansdowne House in Top of Lansdowne Road, and I was working in the regional office there, which was very interesting, and I learned a lot about banking there, and um, and uh, I got promoted, and I, I was doing reasonably well. Then I was transferred out to Rathgar branch, and then I went to um, uh, uh, several other branches, Tonski. I was in uh, I was in Greystones for a while, and in I ended up in Dunleary, and um, I re- retired from Dunleary yes. uh, in 1996 at the age of 50, 51 because uh, of my sight largely. And, yes. um, my sight was really beginning to affect me then at that stage. You know, So yes. in the meantime, I had uh, been involved in setting up fighting blindness because uh, I have retinitis pigmentosa. And that's a genetic eye disease, and it's degenerative. My father had it, my brother has it, and um, I thought it'd be nice to set up some kind of a support group for my father. So um, I thought I might cheer him up. And uh, so we set it up, and uh, it, it very quickly became orientated on research rather than support uh, per se. Although yes. it's also it's also has a big function in support. Yes, and um, uh, we started working internationally with the other similar organisations at an early stage, and that was wonderful and very exciting. And it was quite successful from the very beginning. And um, so when I retired from the bank, it was about fifteen years in existence, and the initial surge of enthusiasm was beginning to wane a little bit. So um, I, uh, the board of Fighting Blindness realized that there was a danger that it could peter out. So they yes. realized it was a question of either growing or going. 
And they asked me, um, since I had retired from the bank, if I would be interested in going in and, mm. and, and trying to set it up as a professional type of organization. So I did that. And, um, you know, it, it, it grew from there and became yes. a very, quite a successful organization. And uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's many, many scientific achievements yeah. through its name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was back, you co-founded by Jim Blinus back in 
did a number of things uh, in that regard, set up a few uh, um, meditation groups. Um, and uh, then I, um, I I wanted to try and write something for the meditation groups to, yes, to yes. tell them how to to meditate and to give them some tips and that kind of thing. So I started writing. You're doing that. And, and uh, it turned into a book, which I now have, have self-published on, wow. on Kindle Direct okay. Publishing. Well, uh, and, uh, can I ask, while you were writing that book, yeah. How did you manage to do it? Because obviously you're, you're, you said your site would be the chair, the chair right. of the right. so right. How did you manage well, to, to write it? When well, you, there, I, I wrote it with a program called Dragon Dictate, which yes. uh, was introduced to me by the NC, NCBI, uh, one of your former colleagues. Yeah. Introduced yeah. it. He came, came up to my house and installed it for me. Showed me how it worked, and, uh, and uh, it, it's a wonderful uh, program. Um, has its limitations uh, yes. in the sense that uh, you know, like uh, I mean, it is wonderfully agile in what it can do, but mm. like it, it can't spell check things like you know, that's, that's if, if, if the word two T double O and the word T W O, it yeah. can't see the difference between yeah. the two of them, you know. Yes. So it has its limitations, you know, but it's wonderful. And uh, I wrote most of the book. In fact, I wrote all the book with that uh, with that program. Okay. But uh, and then during the course of writing that book, I learned an awful lot about meditation, which I didn't know before. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the things I learned was that um, the, uh, med- a mindfulness group had been set up in the UK Parliament due to the huge enthusiasm of one particular MP, a man called yeah. Chris Guan. Yes. And I was fascinated by this, and I got myself invited over to um, a meeting in the UK Parliament. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and about mindfulness and and um, and uh, it was so exciting to to see mindfulness being discussed in the UK Parliament. Yeah, and yeah. I, I was determined then to try and do something back here when I came back. So yeah. I did. And uh, after a while, then we I set up with a, 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 a lady called Mary Lovegrove, the uh, organisation called Mindful Nation Ireland, yeah. which. Uh, it has as its objective to establish mindfulness in public life and politics in this country. Yeah. And uh, we've had a couple of meetings in the Oireachtas, yeah. um, and uh, Chris Rowan came over and spoke to one of them, and very famous uh, US scientist who researches into mindfulness called yeah. uh, Dan Siegel uh, came over and spoke to another one. And, uh, and, um, it, and it really took off, Michael. It did, it did. And all of that now was down very much to the technology, you know. I have to say it was also down to the fact that uh, NCBI uh, were wonderful and they, 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 found, they found two or three wonderful people who were able to help me. And, you know, they used to come up, up to my house every once a week and uh, do a couple of hours with me on, 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 on setting up the organization and, and writing the book, you know, so I got huge help from NCBI. Okay. But the te- technology is wonderful, though, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, know, I know we were speaking earlier today, like, with about, about actually the uh, meditation, because uh, I'm conscious that you've, you've set up a number of groups. Um, yeah. And, and one in particular that I suppose is, is something very strong is the one that we are running currently in NCBI. And we've actually yeah. moved this, uh, online, haven't we? So it's actually with right. a virtual meditation group. In That's right. COVID, uh, which, which is fantastic. So it's probably That's just highlighting right. the, I suppose the, the the role technology can play there as well. Um, yeah. Continue yeah. on these classes, but uh, in, 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 on, online. 
Yeah, it's wonderful that we can do that, you know, and I have to thank you uh, very much and thank NCBI for your great support in, in, in helping us to, to do this, you know, because obviously we couldn't, couldn't do it. We yeah. couldn't do it without without your help and support, and that's yeah. very appreciated, you know. Yeah. And that, that group is thriving at the moment; it's doing it's it's very well. well. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and, and and people are really enjoying it, you know. And yes. uh, and yeah. you know, it's it's amazing. I I really believe that uh, mindfulness and meditation is uh, very important to blind people because you know it, it's blindness is, is a very very challenging, difficult thing to have to live with, you know, yeah. and um, and oftentimes people kind of look at uh, blind people who are kind of going about their business and dealing with things and using technology to do everything that they that that that, that uh, ordinary people can fully sighted people can do and they kind of think well you know they're not so bad you know but you know as you will know from working closely with blind people it, it's a very very challenging thing to face into you know and and, uh, and uh, so so mindfulness is very is a wonderful resource for them you know yeah. it gives them great yeah. strength and resilience and yeah. uh, you know yeah. I'm very happy to be able to do that for yeah. uh, colleagues. Of course, and I think I think it's been was I know there's been a, a huge amount of, of really positive feedback from the group that uh, do attend the uh, virtual right. meditation sessions. So right. thank, thank right. you for that, Michael, for uh, our updating them. Very small. I wonder could we could we have a discussion about your transition to using Jaws? So I know you were All using Dragon right. actually speaking, and then you yes. it's, it's probably about maybe two or three years ago you were introduced yes. to Jaws as a screen reader. Yes, yes, yes. Could you give us a bit of an overview of how you're getting on with, with Jaws and do you find that it's a, it's, a, it's a good uh, good software to use? Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful, absolutely wonderful. I mean, it's completely changed my, mm-hmm. my, uh, it's changed, it changed my life even, I would say. Uh, it's, it's probably no exaggeration to say, you know, because I would be much more limited if, if uh, I didn't have uh, Jaws. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I can, I can I can more easily manage emails now than I could when I could see, and uh, I can do a lot of work on Word documents. Um, I don't use the Excel very much, so I, I know that's not very relevant. But I can do a certain amount of searching the web too, and uh, and uh, I read the Irish Times every day and uh, online and. Uh, and um, I, I'm currently, as you know, trying to master things like WhatsApp on, on, yeah, on, on yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Uh, uh, you know, and I can also manage uh, to a certain extent with Zoom and um, mm. and uh, I, 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 you know, there are other apps that I can do a little bit with. They're not really very accessible, you know, like yeah. iTunes and. Uh, and um, uh, Kindle itself, you know, and a few things like that, you know. So yeah. I, I'm trying to see if I can learn a little bit more about these uh, pro, uh, these apps yeah. so that I'll yeah. be able to find my way around yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. with the keystrokes. But, I mean, it, it's really wonderful because, you know, you get to the stage where you, you can't, you, to depend on your site is really so strenuous and so stressful yeah. that you, you really have to say, look, you know, yeah. I, have to, I have to go to the... The the, um, the the keystrokes uh, system, you know, and um, yeah. it's absolutely wonderful to be able to do so much with the keystrokes. Yes, I, w- yeah. I, w- I would say one thing to, to mm-hmm. people, though, that that are maybe thinking of using, going into JAWS or NVDA or some other program that, you know, um, 
uh, you do have to learn to touch type. And, you know, I kind of felt that, you know, I, I spent my whole life kind of dictating in work, you know, and I had very, very wonderful secretaries who, who were very tolerant and, and were able to do, to do wonderful work for me like that. And therefore, I, I was very lazy about touch typing. And I felt that I was too old to learn touch typing. And, but, you know, I went into it and I, I realized I had to learn if I wanted to do JAWS. And uh, I, I learned it. And, and um, the trick, in my opinion, is mm. when you learn the basics, do a little bit of typing every day, even five minutes. Yeah. It's so huge. So huge. little and often, Michael. Little and often, yes. Yeah, definitely. If you do five minutes every day, it just comes yeah. to and the wonderful thing about it is I find that, you know, I still do a little bit every day and uh, I, I know my typing is getting better and better, uh, you know, as I go along. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure those who are reading my emails don't agree with me, but, <laughs> but I, I think it is anyway. <laughs> um, Michael, I wonder, could we have a time bit other other technology that you use in your life? So. You, you, you obviously use JAWS. I know you, you have a laptop with, with JAWS installed on it. Um, yes. In terms of perhaps uh, mobile apps, do you, you, you have a, is it an, an iPhone that you, you, you use? Yes, yes, yes. Well, mm-hmm. my iPhone is, is another one of those pieces that uh, technology I absolutely love. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's such a wonderful thing. And it was, again, such a, such a, um, a game changer for me. I've been using an iPhone for maybe... No, I don't know, I suppose most of 10 years, uh, probably more, you know, and I just find it wonderfully. But but I have so far been using it largely with sight, you know, and yeah. even though I've used some of the, the things that you could do with Siri, like, for instance, if I wanted to open, open an app, I would always ask Siri to open the Siri. app rather than yeah. go looking for it or yeah. something like that, you know, um, but uh you know, now my sight has got so bad that I'm struggling to to use it with sight, and yeah. I really I need to learn learn how to do it without sight. And I know sure. some of my some of my friends don't use laptops, don't use iPads, don't use it. They put they do everything on their iPhone. Yeah. And I am absolutely in awe of them. I think that's the most wonderful yeah. thing. <laughs> you know, but I, I I think I will probably be able to get there. You know, but yeah. it take a bit of while. Take a while, and you you're 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 you are using voiceover as well, Michael. Actually, on on your oh yes, yeah, no, that's that's what that, that, yeah. that, it's, it's such a gift to have such a simple yeah. thing yeah. way of reading, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's 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 the technology is so simple that even you know ancient people like myself <laughs> in our seventies. <laughs> Can yeah. can, can uh, pick it up very easily, you know. Once yeah. once once you're not afraid of it, you know, and, and, and that, that's the the terrible thing about older people that they're always afraid of modern technology because it's always yeah. alien to them, you know. New. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I always remember the first time I, my my total instruction on. On, on on computers thing when I was in the bank was uh, a girl leaning over the desk for about half an hour one day giving telling me how to use the computer and that was it you know <laughs> and uh, I always remembered that my big fear was that I would break something on the computer you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I haven't succeeded in doing that yet no, and that no. 20, 30 years ago you know so far so good yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if we could we could fast forward I suppose to you, you were talking about your earlier about you know you, you would you would obviously co-founded fighting fighting blindness at Deborah Ireland, yes. Mike, Mindful Nation Ireland. Uh, I think it's back in 2018, and then 
I suppose this is going back to last year, uh, you had a busy year. I know, I know you published your, your book, The Happiness Imperative, which, uh, just as a reminder, is available from the Amazon uh, Kindle store. Um, but I also, I, I can't go without highlighting, I suppose, the fact that you were one uh, the uh, your oldest Black Pearl Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, yes, yes. This is just the recognition of your, of your work that you've yeah. done in yeah. Yeah. coordinating research into rare genetic conditions yes. like or yeah. RP. Uh, yes. So how much of that helps to, to receive that award, to go over to Boston uh, to accept this? Well, it, it was wonderful, JP. You know, um, I mean, it's lovely to get awards like that. Um, you see, when I when I was working with the charities here, I got involved working, uh, representing Ireland in a lot of the the, the uh, European um, yes. uh, meetings. And uh, in fact, I got involved with an organization called the European Platform for Patients Organization Science and Industry, which, uh, um, you know, was a, a combination of the three different three different um Groups uh, which came together to help to see what they could do to promote the, the development of, of, of treatments and therapies for unmet medical needs, and in fact, I chaired that organisation for eighteen months. Um, so I did a lot, a lot of work in yeah. Europe, and yeah. and, um, and so so you were orders the European Rare Diseases Organisation very yeah. kindly agreed to to award me this um, this award last year and. Um, so I went over uh, February 12 months to Brussels and I received this award and it was, it was very exciting because, um, you know, they, they, they do these things very well and, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, a real, real gala night and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was a bit like the Oscars and <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I was receiving an Oscar, you know. Ah, well, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was very exciting. Exciting, of course. And yeah, it's, uh, it's to, to, to your work, Michael. Well, well, thanks very much. Yeah, for okay. So it's it's. Um, yeah. I, I, I have to say though that you know I I always be very conscious when I'm mm. getting an award like that that I am the figurehead for. For what has been done by many, many, many people, um, you know, behind me, because you know, one person can only do a very, very small amount of work, you know. And if it wasn't for the wonderful, wonderful people that I had working with me, um, and we would, I'd never have been standing up there getting that award, you know. Yeah. So I'm very really confident of that, you know. That's nice. Okay. Well, uh, Michael, it's, it's been really good uh, having this chat today. And I think a lot of our, our listeners will, I think, I think they'll identify with a lot of what, what, what you've spoken about here. But particularly with getting to grips with JAWS and, and voiceover on, on the iPhone. So I'm sure they'll, they'll benefit from, from your advice too. Um, so again, I really, really do appreciate the time you, uh, you've taken to come on uh, to this uh, live event and, and talk to us. So thank you very much, Michael. Thank you very much, JP. So thanks again to Michael Griffith for sharing his experience with us. And he was talking to JP Corcoran there. So just as a reminder, if you'd like to be involved in any of our live events, if you'd like to maybe be involved in one of our interviews, uh, please do drop us a line at labs at ncbi.ie and uh, we'd be happy to get in touch with you. And uh, as well, if you've found any particular experiences that you want to share with us, any particular tips with technology that you'd like to share, please do send them through as well. So we're obviously um, continuing to support people throughout the current COVID-19 situation. And uh, if you want to get some advice or support in any way, then you can contact our National Helpline on 1850 
1850 so that just about wraps it up for today. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Hopefully you're you're going to be back with us next week when we're going to have a look at seeing AI. Now, if you haven't already used this app, you're really going to want to catch that show because that is such an excellent app that's proven to be so useful to so many people. So that's the seeing AI app. And if you've ever been in the situation of having to replace your laptop, but you're not really sure what all the jargon means or what the key features are that you need to look out for. Well, we're going to be discussing that next week as well. Buying a laptop, what you need to know. Just a reminder as well that if you want to access support from the NCBI Labs team, you can call us from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday on 1850 92 30 60. 1850 92 30 60. Or you can email labs at ncbi.ie. I'm sure you're getting used to that email address, labs at ncbi. And if you'd like to support our services so that we can continue to provide services to those who are blind or vision impaired, uh, you can also visit donate.ncbi.ie. That's donate.ncbi.ie. So all that's left for me to do today is to thank our contributors again and our panellists today. And thanks to those who are, again, doing the production behind the scenes as well to get our show up and running. We look forward to seeing you all again next week for the next NCBI Labs live event.